and I took her to Canada because we've got family in Calgary and Vancouver. So I took her there for two weeks just so she could see family. But I didn't realise it was probably like a goodbye at that point because she has no idea who they are anymore. I'm Sean McDonald, you're listening to Blethered, and my guest is Graham Sutherland. Graham has accrued around half a million followers across all of his social media platforms as a direct byproduct of documenting life with his mum, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease several years ago. Now, Alzheimer's disease gradually destroys brain cells and their connections, and it's frequently described as dementia, which is an umbrella term for over 100 different types of illnesses and disease symptoms. These symptoms include memory loss and difficulties with day-to-day tasks, language and problem solving. Now, dementia is the biggest killer in the UK. I'm going to repeat that. Dementia is the biggest killer in the UK. It accounts for more than 1 in 10 deaths each year. Now, just under 1 million people are currently thought to have the disorder. But University College London scientists are estimating that this is going to rise to 1.7 million within only two decades, because people are living for longer. Now, almost all of us will be impacted by this in some way, but you rarely hear it discussed anywhere, and I know that's a common trope. I'm coming on here to raise awareness. You never hear this being spoken about, but that's actually true. Well, you certainly don't hear it being spoken about in any great detail, anyway. Well, Blether doesn't shy away from the uncomfortable topics of conversations, so that is exactly what we are talking about, and in great detail. Graham explains the initial signs that they started to notice in his mum and the timeline from diagnosis until now. You'll hear about how he and his twin sister Kirsten assiduously and tenderly care for their beloved mum, an example of which you'll hear me get a wee bit upset about. And we discuss the dark humour that acts as both a coping mechanism and a release valve. Even the worst things in life can sometimes still be a wee bit funny. Now, as always, there's plenty more. So get comfy, get the running shoes on, do whatever it is you do when you listen. Glad to have you with us. Have you done any podcasts or anything before? I've did get a lift. I don't know if you've seen that before. Aye. Mary Murray. Yeah, I did yeah, pause at the start of the year, but I, I started my own a couple of weeks ago. Did you? Well, I, I call it a podcast. It's not really it's just me talking into a microphone. That's a podcast. But apart from that, no. The thing I love about podcasts is there is no definition, there's no parameter, there's no barrier to entry. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. We're recording, by the way, this is us live. Oh, are we? Are Look we? at the panic on your face. Oh, don't worry, I'll cut the previous bit out where you were saying all that um, racist and sexist <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm only joking, he was only saying racist stuff. He was not. Mate, thank you for coming down to, we're in Hilton, Glasgow. It's a nice wee setup we've got on it. Oh, thanks for having me, yeah. Big thank you to Barry and Anya for sorting out the space. <laughs> it is absolutely terrific. Um, not even a plug. This is me sharing my genuine advice. If you need a meeting room, it's beautiful. It's all been refurbished. In fact, I came to the 30th birthday party of the Hilton last year, coming up for 10 months. Um, and the place is, I, it is, it is top of the range. So if you're looking for a, anywhere for your meeting rooms, and I've already gone on and on about the gym and the executive membership, it is absolutely worth it. So make Hilton Glasgow a first stop. And um, now that we've, we've got, We've spoken about Hilton Glasgow for a while. We're going to speak about you and about your your family. It is such a tired and well-worn cliche, but it is good to start at a point. Go back to being a wee boy. Was it you and your sister, your mum and your dad? I've got a brother as well. Oh, have you? I've got a big brother. What age is your big brother? He is seven years older than me, so I think he's 39. Right, okay. But I don't speak to him currently. Right, okay. That's unfortunate. He's about four years. Is, it, is that something you, you feel like discussing, or is it a kind of private... Uh, I guess... Because he can't answer back, I've not really, I've not spoke to him, so right, I okay. find it fair, I suppose. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly me and my sister in the house anyway, right, okay. because of the age gap. Yeah. It's always us two. And you, Erskine, you were saying you grew Erskine, up. Erskine, yeah. Give me, a, give me a wee, just give me a wee bit of flavour or, or sort of a, a sort of idea, because what I like want to do is let's let's paint the picture for the yeah. person, listen what your life was like, and then how it's kind of gone on and developed. So my sister's my twin, so we. She was kind of the outspoken one. I was always quiet. She learned to speak before me. 
to talk, uh, walk before me, but she's 18 minutes younger than me. So I'm the oldest. You have to get that in, don't you? Yeah. I need <laughs> uh, but that's always kind of been what it's like growing up. So she was always the more outgoing one. I was always the quiet one. And we just had a normal childhood. So like, we lived in a quiet area. We went to school. And that's when it kind of changed a wee bit. Like, she had her own class and I was in different classes. When being twins, we did everything together. Mm. And I was so used to I think that's what my issue was growing up. She was always the one that spoke for me. Mm-hmm. Or I had somebody to, like, lean on all the time. Yeah. So it's, Being a twin, I know a few, quite a few twins. Uh, one, one of my best pal, best, one, of, one of the best men at his wedding, Gizzy, he's a twin and I often forget but when I see them together and I'm like... Are they identical? Um, they're not identical because his uh, sister Angel is his twin. And, um, I'm a, but when I see them, I'm like, holy shit, I, I, I always forget because I don't hang about with Ainsley. I've never hung about with Gizzy or Jordan. Um, and in the moment when I see them together, you're like, fuck, oh, there's something... I don't know if it's like unspoken... I'm not going to pure spend 20 minutes talking about the the ins and outs of being a twin, but you must have this really, really tight bond, even if you're not always together. Yeah, we've got weird things we have that we know some things sometimes that we can look at each other and know what we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird twin thing. Aye. But we kind of drifted apart a wee bit, I would say, maybe, with mom's situation for a while. Right. And we're kind of getting closer again. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of get straight to that then. Um, how how did that unfold? Or the situation that you kind of found yourself in. What what, what does how does that originate? Do you know what I mean? I was kind of struggling to find my words there. But what are the signs you notice? And then I'm assuming just one day the world's different for you. So it kind of started before that with my dad's brain tumor. So he was diagnosed 2012 and then died six months later. So oh. very rapid. And we were only. 21, 22. That's tough. Um, and so mum got depression after that, which you'd expect is normal. So we just assumed she was very depressed because we were both about to retire and have the rest of life, so that's what you work your whole life for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't really notice anything to begin with. We just assumed it was depression, but it was going on for a while. And then it was just her misplacing things, her weight loss, Um and I've said a f- a f- the story a few times. I took her to London just for her birthday because she likes Harry Potter. So I took her there just to get her away for a bit. And she was like spraying deodorant in her shoes. And her clothes were all dirty. Um, she was wearing them inside out. But she was saying she meant it. And that's when I was saying to my sister, something isn't right here. Um, and we had to keep pushing for it because counsel- she was seeing a counsellor at the time. And they were just saying it's depression. Mm. And that's all it kept getting passed off as. But you know your mum? Aye. And something wasn't right. Was was it like a... Did she notice anything in herself? You know, you're saying that she's gone, oh, I meant it, but was was she kind of at any point saying, I don't... I feel as if things aren't right here? No, that's the thing. It's that Looking back, it was very obvious she was trying to hide it, which mm-hmm. is quite sad. She must have been terrified doing, like knowing something's not right but hiding it. Mm-hmm. But she always made it out as if she meant it or she hid things from us, like not eating. We didn't know. Mm. Was was it all behavioural stuff or was there just bog standard? Because you know, we like, what is the condition? Is, is it Alzheimer's? It's Alzheimer's, yeah. You know, with, with Alzheimer's, you just, the assumption is it's always your memory's poor. Yeah. Right else, did you notice memory things or was it kind of behavioural changes first? Yeah, no, memory wasn't really a thing. It was more behavioural changes and her cognitive skills. Mm-hmm. She couldn't put a seatbelt on, um, she couldn't touch her nose and stuff like that. And, that was very strange. Mm. But then they are all kind of side effects of depression as well, I'm told. Are they? I take it just your brain isn't functioning in its proper yeah. way, you're low capacity. lost and stuff, yeah. So we just assumed because my dad did pass away so suddenly that this is just a really severe case of depression. How do you, how does that then progress and develop, though? That you Does it just get so bad where you're like, right, kind of a cartoon grabbing somebody with a collar and black and we're going to the doctor, or...? Well, she was already seen counselling and stuff like that, so me and my sister we had to push to get her seen, and that's when she was um, scanned. Eventually, that took, like, two years, two, three years. That's sick. Um, and then the results came back, one of the worst they'd seen of somebody her age, because she was only 59 at the time. That's young. 
um, about to turn 60, but she was only still quite young. Um, and it was quite late, it's late stage she's got, early onset. So it was quite late on. So she's had it for I don't know how long. But they There's, couldn't pick up on that. That's Can you tell me what that, that early onset then means? Because there's somebody in my family... I'm, I feel a real. I feel like a palpable discomfort in myself even saying it. If put two and two together, if you know anything about a family member that I'm way all the time, or you might see me out for coffee or lunch with, he's got early onset Alzheimer's, and so what is it? And his is rapidly, rapidly worsening. At, like at, can I as we speak, like that's pretty brutal. So early onset's like I think early onset means when you get it younger, but she's late stage. So his might just to be... So everyone's Alzheimer's dementia is different than everyone, so it could be... His stage could stop and go much slower. Right. Or every stage is rapid. Everyone's different, and every Alzheimer's is different because there's so many different types, mm-hmm. areas of the brain. So late stage for my mum meant that she's very far progressed, but early on. Right, OK. And I don't know if that's the no, same case for you. For it was... Um it, f- it feels as if it's been for about 20 years. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden it's just went woof, like off a cliff edge. It used to kind of just be like, this is a bit of a nightmare, you know. Mm-hmm. You're having the same conversation every day. Like, now and again ask me the same thing. To like kind of just, okay, that's how he is. To just like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm, strugg- I'm kind of struggling to summon words actually. To, to describe it, it's um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hardly telling you, and you don't know <laughs> kind of what that's like. Uh, when when your mum eventually is diagnosed, you know what what then happens? Is she able to to confront it? Is she able to understand it? Because if you're already cognitively impaired in some way, yeah. So the way it happened was, my sister phoned up the doctor to to find out if the results are through yet, but they wanted to make an appointment for her to tell the results, which were weeks away. And my sister being a nurse was like I want the results now Yeah, and she broke the news to my mum so we both sat in the living room and my mum came in and she told her you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's but she was obviously upset about it but I think she knew and it was kind of a comfort to her that our secret's out almost yeah um, yeah. she said we can help her now that we know but she she never really got upset about it other than that one time we told her she just kind of accepted that's what she's got and accepted that we are going to help her and she didn't fight against us for anything. Mm. What does help look like from from you at that point? At the very early stages, so she wasn't, like, she could still walk about and speak to you, and my sister would start to cook for her more then, because we obviously realised she couldn't cook. Um, but just kind of keeping an eye on her. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary to begin with. Mm-hmm. Just be a bit more vigilant with her. And then how does it go? The floor is yours, by the way. You just tell me... How the, the st- whole... Progress. Ah, you um, just so tell me the story. It went it on for a wee while normally. Uh, we would go on holidays with her just to try and do as much as we could. Um, and I took her to Canada because we've got family in Calgary and Vancouver. Nice. So I took her there for two weeks just so she could see family. But I didn't realise it was probably like a goodbye at that point because she has no idea who they are anymore. Oh. Um, this was only like five years ago. Um, and she was still relatively normal. She could walk about then, but she was slightly incontinent then. Right. Which is another thing that comes with Alzheimer's, incontinence. But I, yeah. um, being the male, my sister did the personal care for her, which was fine, but I didn't because it's my mum. It's mm-hmm. a bit different. But different if it was my dad, I could probably do it. But um, she, when we were in Vancouver, because we were walking around the whole place, um, I could see from behind her that she was soaking wet. Oh. So I took a shot off her and put it around her. Um, but she had no idea, even speaking to her, saying that you've had an accident, no idea what I was talking about. And I had to think, kind of think my feet, and I went to like, a, a boots over there and got like a pull-on pad. And from there, that's what we did the rest of the visit, because that was just the first week. So I had two weeks of this myself. Um, and the only care I kind of gave her then was she should put a swimming costume on and go into the shower, and I'd wash her hair for her, and she'd be able to do the, the rest if I put soap in her hands. But that was the only personal care at that point, so that's when it kind of started to progress, mm-hmm. that she was becoming more incontinent, and I had to start cleaning things, and not something you wanted to do. But that is reality of it. Um, and then 
after that, I was when we came back to Canada. That was all good. That was good memories I've got forever. And so, even the family over there, they got to see her one last time, I suppose. Um, but things were normal for a while, and then we got carers in because she needed somebody to tuck her in at night. We tuck in like just to brush her teeth and yeah. put pajamas on, and in the morning just to give her medication and uh, get her ready in the morning because we needed a bit of help with that. Because me, and my sister was a nurse, as a nurse, and I was working full time, so we we're both kind of juggling our jobs at the same time, and that was just a help. But the issue was because she was under sixty-five at the time, she wasn't entitled to any funding. Um, which I never understood because you've either got Alzheimer's exactly. or you don't have it. It shouldn't really matter what age you were. Um, so she had to pay for that out of her own pocket for a while. Um, but then we got, I don't know if you've heard of Frank's Law. No. Um, it's a footballer. His wife um, got it sorted for some people under the age of 65 to get funding for it. Who so was the, the footballer? I can't think of it now, Frank. I'll find that out while we talk. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Fuck's sake, mate. That's a, I mean, it's a lot for me to react to. I don't mean to patronise and condescend away or anything, but, like, fucking heart goes out to you hearing that, how that was, because don't want this to be sort of, like, despair porn. Like, so <laughs> tell me, how bad did you feel in that? But that must have been unbelievably challenging. Like, maybe, like, a turning point in that holiday where you're like, this is what's happening now. Uh, yeah, in Canada, it was really stressful. Um, thinking back now it was very stressful but I was kind of just getting on with things like you don't really think about it at mm. that point did you ever get like so I, I took I was just fucking I mean it's obvious now I took my grandpa to Lisbon uh, and like we went and getting him even before we got to Edinburgh airport I thought my head was going to fall off and he kept asking me like brought the wrong case which is my fault I should have he told me I had the right case and I listened to him this was 2019 and um, he kept asking me so I was like carry on we're flying with Ryan we're going to be checking the cases and I'm like we're not like we're taking them but I'm not exaggerating when I say it was maybe 35 40 times before we got to security he'd asked me I didn't express it but inside I was I was so angry like I was raging I, I felt as if I'm going to sound like a teenage wall puncher here, but I felt as if I could have just smashed the place up. And he wasn't hearing me, and he wasn't... Because it's a lot of stimulation, and, and he was a lot better at this point. And I think because he was out of his comfort zone, what I have found is, for the large part, if there was any external stresses or mad stimulation, like too much noise, too many people, or he had worries on his mind... It was a million miles away, and it was kind of like being my child, a bit of a petulant child, um, and he'd have like a thousand yard stare, and yeah, I was just getting so angry, and I was like, I had to check myself and stop and go, what am I angry at? Because I'm not angry at him, and I realised I was angry at that's the way it was, yeah. and that that was happening, and I just felt rage, and I was like, why? Because one. It's generally stressful when somebody keeps asking the same question. <laughs> Even if it was my pal, right? If you kept being like, fuck it, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? That kind of thing. But it was just the pure sadness and being like, oh, this is unfair. And you're kind of anticipating what might come. Like, did you have that? Because you, you know you're saying you just got on with it. But did you have these, have you ever had these periods of being like, just yeah. fuming? Yeah. At, at the very beginning, I was, I was really bad. It was more patience I've had to learn to have. Yeah. That's the thing. And you're only human. It's it's because I think I was more angry that she didn't know things I was asking her. Mm. I wanted her to know. Yeah, you're not angry at, at her. her. It's more the disease. But then, as, yeah, it's more it's more being angry at wanting her to be fine. But then yeah. I realised that that it. I mean, it took me a couple of years. It wasn't just like something overnight. Um, that that's just I've learned to have patience with it. And don't get me wrong, I still get a bit annoyed even now because it, it does test your patience. It does, man. Because my mum will have like these moments just now where she like says the same thing, like not she can't speak, so it's a noise over and over and over again for hours on end. Mm. It's one of these things when you leave, you can still hear it, Aye. and it's just so much that you but you, need, you can't really do it. And she, she doesn't know what she's doing. Anything. Exactly. I think I kind of made a sort of peace, like a peace with myself, and being like, as long as you don't show it, yeah, fine, man. Because if something's annoying, something's annoying. They pick up and you're like, 
they can read your body language and yeah. stuff like that as well. Aye. Yeah, I know. Um, having to get, I mean, paying for the care, like you say, mm-hmm. you've either, you either need care or you don't. It shouldn't be like, do you need care? Are you severely debilitated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what's that? You're 63? Nah. Don't exactly. care. Exactly. It was mad. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't, I didn't know any of this until she went through it. I don't know if it's still the same now, yeah. but that's what it was, what, six years ago? Because she's 68, well, not even, she's 68. Right, okay. So it was only like just the past three years that she's had help with it. What? God, I mean, what? so what does that help look like? You you and your sister, what's your sister's name? Uh, Kirsten. Kirsten. She obviously, does it, I'm sure you'll give her her credit because you're, both deserve immense credit and you share a lot of that sort of workload, yep. don't you? Was, was it you both just having to do that until you then could have some sort of like proper assistance? Uh, well, I would say it was mainly my sister because she gave her the personal care and she cooks, I can't cook. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more, it was to be there most of the time. Yeah. But the, I mean, the carers did come in, we got them, my mum paid for them, um, but they were awful, the carers that we had. Mm-hmm. I went through two companies before we got a good one. And they were just, I didn't realise how bad the care can be in some places. And it makes you wonder what some people are like out there if they don't have, like me and my sister, to mm. check up on it all the time. Yeah. What, I mean, what was the, what was wrong with the carers? Yeah, so my sister, when it first started, my sister had went to, I can't remember where she went, she went on holiday for a week because she needed a holiday yeah. in Canada and mum and stuff like that, which was fine. But that's when they started the first day. And I was at work in Bishop Briggs, which is like an hour's commute from where I lived um, and they, uh, I'd come back home and they would leave like wet towels and stuff in our bed I even argued with them in my house to ask them can you stop doing that they said it wasn't their job um, they phoned me one day at work saying they've overdosed my mum and I'm like well what do you want me to do I'm an hour away can you not right. phone up the, police, uh, the ambulance um, but they didn't overdose her well they did but it wasn't anything to worry about Yeah, and then it was just always a constant fight. The, the last straw was I, that weekend, because only a week they lasted, the first ones. I came out of my bedroom and they were like washing my mum's hair, and a random man walked up my house, up my stairs. And it's no no men were allowed to be my mum's carer because uh-huh. they're doing personal care. Yeah. That was just a request. This random guy's just walking in my house. Nah. And if I wasn't there, is this guy going to go into the bathroom with my mum? That's what I was concerned yeah. about. Oh, that's not on. So we got rid of them and got another one who was just as, as bad. It's kind of the care for profit type thing is a murky area and subject and I'm sure there are people that, that do it with the best intentions but it's kind of like, mm. It's because they're so understaffed, which I get, and yeah. they are rushed about, but at the end of the day it's like people need cared for. Yeah, people need looked after. What, what kind of time period are we at at this point? How far in? Um, this would probably be about two, two and a half years of, but diagnosis, maybe, maybe not as long as that. And was it just a rapid acceleration? Yeah, just with the whole incontinence thing, it became a bit more difficult because she'd be sitting in the seat and she would, wouldn't get up to go to the toilet. So like having somebody coming in the morning to change it and wash her, it was just yeah. easier. Especially if my sister was night shift or day shift, it made it easier for us to kind of still work. It's a lot to ask of anybody, isn't it? You, a carer, yep. anybody. It's it was a long day, yeah. And then. Were you, at what point did you think, right, okay, you know, kind of going to have to look at having... Boss is here! Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family. With more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Constant care now? Uh, just as it progressed, really. She started getting more in at night, in the morning, and then a wee lunchtime visit which was good for us, but we also got Alzheimer's Scotland. They helped us out a lot. They helped us with a wet room, which made a huge difference, getting her showered and changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also gave us respite, so they'd pick her up um, one day during the week and one weekend for like four hours. So they'd right. come in a wee bus, take her away, um, and that gave us four hours to ourselves, which we didn't have. We could switch off, go to sleep, do what we needed to do, and that was a big difference. Was it just like a 24-7 type thing, for even if you're working? If you yeah, so even if I was working, I had a camera on, so I'd always check on her all the time. You couldn't switch off. You'd phone it, you couldn't answer the phone, so you'd we needed the camera to just check on her. And if my sister was working, I'd be checking. If I was working, she'd be checking. 
and she'd be night shift, so she'd come back and just be exhausted, and you could hear mom crying. You'd need to get up and go and check what's going on, and that's why COVID. When COVID came, it was kind of good for me because I was home the whole yeah, time. Oh yeah, God. But that's when she kind of got a lot worse. I would say that's when things sped up a lot quicker. So you've you've got a, a really sizable um, social media following. Um, you've got Instagram and TikTok. Are these your two main? Um, Facebook too. I put everything on Instagram. What's the Facebook. total number of, of all collectively, or, or or even per platform? Uh, Eighty-six point something on Instagram, thousand, um, seventy-five thousand in Facebook, and three hundred and seventy-six thousand in TikTok. That's mad, that's mad isn't it? Yep. What made you start that? Because it's I completely understand why anybody would. Some people would be like, "Oh no, this is. I don't want to. I don't want to um, have anything out there." For you, there's really nice videos. In fact, you know, if you want to tell it, actually, you can tell people your usernames if you want, because what I would say is, with videos and stuff, if I want a better term, it's heartwarming shit. It's like, because what you're seeing is just pure love and care for your mum, and it's hard, it's, it's impossible, in fact, not to be really touched by it. In fact, I watched the one where you were bringing your mum to the house, and she's uh, kind of reluctant to say it, because I just feel like it's sad, but she's thinking that your sister is her mum. Mm. And it's, I was listening to just the way your sister was talking to her, and I was like, wow, that is a pure... I feel myself getting a bit emotional, actually, thinking about that. Sorry, why am I getting upset? I think, man. But do you, do you know why I'm, what I mean by that? Like, oh, as yeah. I was watching it, it was just lovely. Yeah. We've had to adapt the way we changed to her as well. Uh, speak to her, sorry, as well. Like, mm-hmm. kind of speak to her like a, a baby almost. But we just kind of live in her world with her because we just try and make her as happy yeah. as possible. Even though it, like, it's clearly not a mum, but her thinking that made her happy so you just go on with it the, I, to kind of go back to my question before I went off and a wee like voice breaking ready to burst into tears <laughs> to, type um, droll um, what, what what made you think I want to, to to chart this or document this as such was it for other people was it therapeutic for you was it a mixture of both it was kind of an accident because like everyone in lockdown I just picked up TikTok and was making stupid videos aye and then I randomly filled, filmed my mum, remember my dad, and I uploaded that, and that kind of went viral then, like a couple of million yeah. views. Wow. Um, and then so many people were contacting me saying they didn't know, because she's so young, that this could happen. And so many people were contacting me with their stories um, and saying how much awareness it was raising, and I didn't think about that at the time. But that's why I thought, I'm just going to keep doing this and see what could happen. Like, it's... If people don't know about it, this is my reality. So this can happen to other people because it's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there are alone going through it. Yeah. That, I've got my sister, um, and it was helping some people. I thought if it's helping one or two people, why not just document it a wee bit? Mm-hmm. And I can keep them as memories as well. And it's it's grown exponentially yeah. from that because I mean lockdown. Although it seems like a century ago, and it somehow also feels like ten weeks ago. It's weird. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and obviously it has it's really struck that chord with people was that then at the point where you started getting recognition Cause what was the the awards that you and your, your sister were at what do you call it the Great Scott Awards or something Scottish Influencer Awards right okay I don't like that word influencer but that, that's what it was it was for inspiration that was a category yeah and did you just won an award for that no we were nominated hey, hold on a minute right absolutely no harm to anybody in that category but who <laughs> won it then because it must have been very inspirational um, I actually follow but I can't remember her name that's bad what she, does she do she's on the news quite a lot for like trying to ban disposable vapes no you can't be I'm sorry I think disposable vapes it's are like eco friendly right okay so it's not I'm just not vapes but I just mean in general it's like yeah. I'm not having that as inspirational. Say. Absolutely, no harm to you. Great job, because I think we should ban him as well. But I'm not having that as inspirational. I'm sorry. <laughs> and don't want to be making enemies, <laughs> but that's uh, fair enough. I am interesting. I'd like to see the judges' notes on that one. Um, but how how much does it help you? Well, it, by doing it, yeah. It, well, I think it's therapeutic for me. Yeah, because I sit in live quite a lot as well on TikTok. So I'm just speaking to people that are going through it. They're telling me their stories. And sometimes I'm just offloading it to them having them on or if I'm, it's a difficult week I'll record myself just giving an update how I feel because yeah. I don't show my mum's bad times on TikTok or any social media like her crying or her screaming because I don't 
I, I don't I don't want anybody to see that. That's private. Um, but I'll talk about it and to show people that there is a bad side. Because sometimes my TikTok makes it look as if I'm so happy. It's yeah. great. And that isn't the case half the time. So I use TikTok to kind of, as a wee bit of therapy. But I enjoy it as well. Aye, quite right. It's obviously stating, or stating the absolute obvious. But having been able to offload to people that get it, that can understand where you're coming from, that there's like, there is a collective um, commonality. Yeah. That like, you know, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing. Are there any stories that are kind of, are people that you've come into contact with where it's impacted you in a certain way? Or, that's, I know that's such a big question, but I think you know what I mean by it. Yeah, I mean, there's people that contact me who, whose like, husband, for example, is 40, and 40's not, I'm not far off, I'm, I'm 32, but yeah. 40's not far away from me, and it's scary to think that you can get that at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some people are born with it as well, which I didn't know. Really? Yeah. So I, I worry about it. I think it's a bit of, it's a... People always ask me, do you worry about it? And I'm like, of, of course I worry about it, but I try not to think about that because... Or I think you can get tested now to see if it's genetic. Can you? But I don't want to do that. <sighs> I don't know if I would either. Because then I feel as if I'd be putting a time limit on my life or mm. constantly worried, is yeah. this me getting it now? When sometimes you just get like a week where your head's fried. Apparently there's um, quite a significant... Oh, there have been re- recent significant developments in medicine and treatment. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? Because I'm hoping by the time you and I get to that point, yeah. it'll be like, oh, I no, think it's, it's early stages, but it's they've found progress towards a percentage to like slow it down, mm. which I suppose is the start of finding a cure, whereas there's not really anything just now. And that's what really annoys me about it, because I do see this in my TikTok and I feel bad about it, but like cancer, my family... My, my dad died from it, but um, that has cures, and yeah. it's always mainstream. Like even the stand up to cancer, that's all mainstream. There's nothing for Alzheimer's, and that's the biggest killer last year is dementia. I did. And nobody um, really talks about it because it's like a, there's a stigma behind that. I yeah, think. I'm trying to remember who this was. I was working on breakfast TV anyway, and it was either Angela Rippon or Anne Diamond. I think it might have been Angela Rippon. Angela Rippon's currently on Strictly Come Dancing. Right. She's like 79, she's doing the splits and all that. It is insane. Genuinely. I'm not even like... Oh, she attempted the splits. Hi. She did the full-scale splits. She's got her head above her... Her, her leg above her head and all that. And you're that like, was it. That was a picture you posted. You're like, you're 80. <laughs> I covered the story. My job on, on like that type of breakfast show is to present the... Read, I read through the papers and I go, here are the stories that I think are, I want to talk about. And I'll present it, and un- absolutely unbeknown to me. So I, I did one on, oh, it's about Alzheimer's and dementia. I can't remember the, the um, facts of the story, right? But anyway, Angela Rippon was like, I'm sure it was her. And she revealed that she was an ambassador for, like, a national dementia charity, and she'd spoken to, like, governmental commissions at the House of Commons and was really, really heavily involved. And then she kind of educated me a wee bit more, and she was given further information, and she's like one in two people will be affected by it. I think maybe or, or one in two adults in their lifetime. She said something else. Whatever it was, I know. I'm really sorry to you listening who's like, cheers, mate, you gave us absolutely zero <laughs> detail there. But whatever it was, right, it was something that really took me back. And she said, and she's like, of course I'm not saying one is more important than the other, but she's like, with cancer, sometimes it can actually be less people impacted. And there's something like one in four of us will be directly impacted by cancer, maybe mm. less. And the point that she was making was, it is just as serious and it's just as debilitating, yep. it's just as life-threatening. And she's like, so I find it um, distressing or, or um, frustrating at times that it's not. And I think, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think part of that reason is because it's just not spoken about yeah. And I know that's a catch-all. You can say that for anything. People yeah. can come here with... People can come into this room, sit in front of a mic and give me any issue in the world and go, it's not spoken about enough. I want yeah. to raise awareness. And they often become empty, hollow words. But it's like, it's not. And I wonder why. Is it embarrassment? Is it a sort of... I think it is, yeah. Because yeah. people don't want to admit they have it or they're ashamed. Or a family think. member has My mum's been quite good at, with it, personally. 
but just from speaking to people with experience, they don't want to accept help because then I think if they feel they accept it, that means they've got it. It's kind yeah. of a denial thing as well. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I think it's like cancer isn't not as less important, but there is cures for it. Mm-hmm. Or there is, but there's absolutely nothing for Alzheimer's, and it's one of these things that more people are getting it younger and younger. So it's only yeah. going to become a bigger issue. And why? And God. And then you've got the links in football. And you'll hear, you know, the, we're banning the heading of the football at a young age, and you'll hear some, what I would call some, right, if I'm going to be unkind, I would say some knuckle-dragging fuckwit. Oh, the fucking snowflake, it's always English, isn't it? English taxi driver, snowflake generation, remember when we won the war? Fucking shut up. But if I was to be... <laughs> that's my frustration coming out there. Fucking shut up, you're shouting. <laughs> but if I was to be kind, I would say, okay, somebody who's just ignorant to the facts and the reality. And when you look, it's very recently Billy McNeil, um, legendary Celtic captain in Lisbon Lion, who he had dementia and he was in a home and stuff. And they are finding strong links. And, you know, as people from that era, when maybe football was developing a certain way and heading of the ball came into the game more, the the, the rates of footballers and head impact and suffering it. from dementia is, is alarming. And um, people are like, what are we going to do? Just ban heading? And you're like, maybe. Yeah. Like, Celtic winning <laughs> a League Cup is not as important as, you know, it's not more important, sorry, than preventing somebody from having, like, severe dementia sort of yeah. later in life. Um, what was the thing you were telling me earlier about the Thanks. Sting video? Oh. Oh, no, Tony Christie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they contacted me in May this year. Sorry, like, this is uh, Tony, for anybody that's wondering, Tony Christie, the, is this the way to Amarillo, yeah. that guy? Yeah, they, so he's got dementia now, so he wanted to say thank you to carers and wanted to release a charity single for Thank You Day. So they contacted me within a week. I was down in London in a recording studio with <laughs> what was he like? Like, what was his kind of his general demeanour? How how oh, advanced is his? So his is more. You wouldn't be able to tell he's got it. His is more a wee bit. Spend forget. time, you know. Yeah, he's. We were out for dinner that with him as well. Him and his wife. His wow. wife's really nice. I think she's a bit worried because she was what she was watching my TikTok videos just to see kind of things I was doing. I think she's getting a wee bit worried as what to expect. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed you'd never be able to tell. He'd forget the odd wee name things like that, but. You would never be able to tell he's got dementia. See, I forget. I've got a wild memory. I've got like a photographic memory. <laughs> I have, and I, and I actually, not, it either annoys people or it freaks people out with the level of detail and all that kind of thing. But I'll be asked, like, "Can you take that bin out?" Yep, no worries. And then, honest to God, yeah. it's not like I conveniently. I'll just pretend I forgot that. It's out the head. Or will you bring? I don't know. Going to bring me a bottle of water to the gym? Yeah, no worries. I'll forget. And I worry. Now, how much do you do you know if you research this type of thing? Because I'm like, well, I've got this mental memory, but then I can't sometimes forget stuff. And I'm like, what the hell? Or maybe am I just am I just busy? Have I just got stuff in my mind? And of course you're going to forget a bottle of water. Do you maybe do you want to help put my mind at ease? Ah, <laughs> uh, so I'm being te- I'm in a referral list for ADHD just now, which is two years yeah, to wait. Me, I, a year me. on it. So. That can be forgetful. This right, is part well, of that. But then I'm in antidepressants too with stress and depression. That mm-hmm. can all be part of it. Like forgetting things is normal. It's not right, doesn't okay. mean you're, you're ill. Because you worry because I have. And I'm actually re- I'm very reluctant to kind of speak too much about my personal experience and understanding because although it's my experience and I'm always happy, I'm like, well, that's this is my sphere and my bubble and my existence and this is how I, this is how it, I perceive and process it. I'm aware that for family members, I mean, they don't have a platform like this and they might feel a bit of discomfort. And on yeah. one hand, I'm like, yeah, I respect that. And on the other hand, I'm like, I expect you to respect that this is my point of expression. But um, I've inherited, like, colour blindness with my mm-hmm. grandpa. I've inherited his sense of humour. I've pretty much inherited loads of stuff off him. And I'm like, I say it to him all the time, I'm like, see you. Like, see, if, <laughs> see if this is the final the gift you've given me, but I suppose you. Do you worry about that though? Do you? To be honest, think no. Think about it. I don't worry and I don't think about it. But I th- well, now and again I'll think about it. But I think I'm very much of it. It'll be sorted by then. That's the way I can think about it. Like I worry about it when it happens. Yeah, 
That's my, that's my, but very much to my detriment is that, is that type yeah. of thing. I'm also like, I'll deal with that when it, I'll deal with that when it becomes an issue. For, for anything big and small, it's kind of like, mm, you should be preemptive. Stop it anyway again, what am I going to do? Like, what, what can I do? Nothing. No, exactly. Um, what what kind of other other things have come off the back of the social media thing? I find that really interesting. Uh, so I'm a social media ambassador for Alzheimer's Scotland. Nice. So I kind of link in with them quite a lot and raise money for them. Um, I don't know if I'm able to say. I had a call today. Um, it's for the Scottish Government. Oh, right, They're doing okay. like a campaign for... In fact, I think they'll be fine because it's... You don't get many details. It's like um, kind of raising awareness about the type of carers that they want to get in the job ah. and what it involves because I think people have a skewed yeah. view of what a carer is. Yeah, I think that's it, a great It's idea. to get the right people in and like they want to show that just having normal moments with somebody as part of the care, like having a tea with somebody, that's... Yeah, it's not just you looking after somebody that's completely incapacitated I think all times. people, when you think a carer, you think people wiping the backside of somebody. That's what I used to have in my head. When it's not all that, that's a small part of it. Yeah. Like take them out, spending time with them. Even just being in their company. Like, I'll go up and visit my mum, and sometimes she's not verbal, and I'll just sit and watch a film with her. Mm-hmm. And that's all she needs, just having somebody there. That's care. How does it impact the rest of your life? Uh, so I've been kind of up and down with that. I tried to cope with it for a while on my own, um, and I was off work for a while, quite ill with it, because I was very depressed. With because so I had moved out my my house just before she went into care, purely because me and my sister were not getting on with each other, and that's what I mean by we kind of fell apart and mm. we're kind of getting closer again. Because we're living in such a stressful environment, and COVID, I was home all the time. She had no break from me. Whereas I get a break for her because she was a nurse, she had to go out. We just were fighting all the time, it just wasn't healthy. And she wanted to have a life, and I wanted to have a life, which was the main part of it. So she decided to move her long-term boyfriend in, and she'll care for my mum and go part-time, which she did. And I'll move out so I can have a life. That was the deal. She, I made sure she wanted that because I felt really guilty. And when I left, I thought that was the biggest regret I've made a big mistake here because I was myself in a flat feeling so guilty that I'd left my mum back home even though I was taking her out every couple of days and bringing her up to mine because I was off at this point um, and I just really struggled with it and that's why I had to take time off work and go on antidepressants because mm. I thought I was fine but I just wasn't I was just so unhappy I felt very isolated I think that was the isolated and guilty I can I can completely understand why you'd feel that way, and I don't mean through any fault or wrongdoing, but just with the situation you then find yourself in. It was like, in it, so she's been in care home two years now. So it was October she moved in to the care home, um, and then that's when my sister kind of get a not a taste. That's a wrong way to say it, but she felt so guilty about that. But then it was a bit easier for me because I had that transition from moving out, whereas she was with my mum all the time, and my sister was up at the care home every single day because we just couldn't go over the guilt of put her in a care home but it was better for her because we I think the selfish thing we had was we want to keep her at home as long as we can because that means we've been successfully caring for her when that wasn't the case it was more it was better for her to go to a care home so she could have a social life 24 hour care and then we can have a life and get her health back because we were really ill we were just so exhausted mentally and physically with it that is that is the prime example of an invidious position in, in, in the sense of having to decide and take the step, because there's a bit of finality about it to say, yeah, right, you're going to this, this home, mm-hmm. and people see it as being very final. Yep. Fact it's an, I'll, I'll, I'll euphemise here, but it's a, it's a discussion that my family are currently having, because I, I get it, a bit of finality, but then I feel as if your mum or anybody's safety and well-being, comfort and happiness supersedes your eyes' feelings yep. every day of the week. 
and for your own feelings you can kind of hold on and it's it's kind of holding on to the way it was mm-hmm. and I think then having to say well that we're now going to do this we'll progress this and move forward it does feel like a it feels like a late chapter yeah that yeah that's what it felt like it felt as if like this is approaching the end almost so to speak but uh, honestly has been the best decision that we made because a lot of people come to me and say they don't want to do it but uh, if you can't cope at home or you're getting ill how are you supposed to care for somebody if you can't care for yourself like if you're getting ill exactly you won't be able to care for them so now she's got a social life 24 hour care we can go it's not a prison we can yeah. go up and visit her take her out whenever we want she even stays over at my sister's sometimes I live three floors up so she can no longer get up to mine um, but we've got quality time with her now whereas before we were stressed tired and ill worried yeah we still worry about her don't get me wrong yeah we still worry about her and we still like between me and my sister we'll go up two or three times a day a week um, so there's usually somebody up every day yeah we can't let go of that because we just feel like I don't know it's a guilt thing you can't you can't get rid of the guilt it's always going to be there I've just learned to deal with it a bit better I feel it mate I feel it as well you just don't even like so I might be going on holiday soon and I feel like I shouldn't be away here I should be visiting my mum because I feel I did that when I went to Vegas was it last year last year the year before I was quite upset about it because I was there for a week and I'm thinking this is time I'll never get back and I shouldn't be looking at it that way but when you yeah. You just overthink everything. Like that is overthinking. It. I bet you, you know, if she, if you if she was able to say she'd be like, oh my god, go. Oh yeah, she said straight away from the get go. She told me, my sister, don't put your life in hold for me. Like, go and do what you need to do. A balance is key. I think you do oh, want to put your because yeah. it's a measure of love, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, I, I I don't regret any of it. Like I'd do it again for her because it's my mum. But it was a sacrifice. We made me, and my sister. We chose to do that, so we can't. Ever moan about it because we yeah. chose to do that, but that's what you do for your family, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. That is what you do. How do you, um, I'll tell you a couple of these examples, right? And then I want you to try and think if you've got any. But I was going to say this: this humour came into it. So back in 2019, right? Um, my pal Dean uh, was on the podcast because me and him had this really funny. We went for dinner one night, and maybe we went to pictures or something, and we just had this conversation about life. We spoke about everything. We spoke about religion, we spoke about sectarianism, we spoke about the existence of God, and we spoke about how we think if there is a creator, he's got a really dark sense of humour. Right. And we came up with these examples, and this was fucking hilarious to us, right? It was really fun about crying. I was like, mate, we need to try and organically recreate this conversation. And one of the things we spoke about, right, was Alzheimer's and dementia. So on the podcast, and the episode was called God, Sectarianism, and Other Stuff. It's a very early episode, and wasn't it great audio and all that, but it is quite funny. People do like it, if anybody wants to listen to it. But the points, the, the things that we said, right? So that's, I think, I can't remember, it was me or him, and it was me, so I went, I was giving him discussion points, or like a topic, and I was like, right, let's jump off and let's talk about it. And I said, dementia and Alzheimer's is one of the funniest things that's ever existed. And he's a bit horrified. And then I was like, but we can qualify that. And it was like, he gave these examples and I was saying like, you need humour as an outlet sometimes, like you just have to laugh and something can be sort of dark comedy. At times me and my grandpa laugh at stuff because I'm like, I can't believe you said that or forgotten it. But a few of the examples were somebody that Dean, Dean knew, I can't remember how he knew him or knew of him, but it was a guy who'd been diagnosed and he was pretty early on and um, his wife would write like a note, here are the things you need to do and he would do it and he was fine, he'd function. And then the bottom one was you need to take the dog to the vet at three o'clock. Say the dog's called Barney. And uh, this guy's sitting in the uh, the waiting room at the vets and they come out and they shout the dog's name. Barney McDonald. It's like, it's like, it's really funny in itself. And he's walked into the vet's room and the vet's like, where's the dog? <laughs> and the guy's like, head in his hands. He's went, oh, fuck. I've left the dog in the house. <laughs> he he's had to go way back and get it. And then there's like another time when the guy is like um, seen his dog at the front garden he's like oh for fuck's sake he's went out the dog what the fuck's the dog doing at the front he's sweating god he's like can then like push the dog in you push the dog in there he's up the stairs and all he hears is like rah, 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 just rabble and he comes down and like his dog is fighting me a dog that looks exactly like it <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's like, he's like, fuck that wasn't my dog, like, try to get it back out again. It's funny and stuff like that. I always find that being able to laugh when it's not funny, but it, it is, you're like, this is, aye, this is brutal. Like, does humour help you? Is it the type of thing that you would Yeah, we do have a laugh with mum and me and my sister, or we try to, like, even just singing and dancing with her. Um, but she hits out with random things because she can't really speak much anymore, but she does. She seems to know how to swear still, which is weird. Yeah, that is. Because um, she can't say my name, but she just shouts fuck all the time. <laughs> if she's getting personal care, because she hates it. Uh, like, how can you remember that word, but you can't remember my name? That is funny, isn't it? And just now she's got this wee ghost noise she makes, but it's just her trying to communicate. But we can't stop laughing at it. It just sounds funny. Aye. Uh, but it's her trying to communicate. But it's not funny, but it is, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, I always think... You can always laugh. Me and my grandpa are really tight, man. We're really close. And we just talk quite a while back, where he was like, "It's not be funny," because really, really close. I'm not saying close on anybody else, but close. And he's like, "Not be really funny." He's like, "After I've written, if like, I just thought I couldn't stand you, I didn't like you, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> probably one of the fucking worst things that could ever possibly happen, mate. I don't, I love you, but then I was like." Aye, that would be funny, wouldn't it? I was like, irony or what? And then I had a wee spell. And it was as if he, ah, can you stand me? Oh. oh, fuck me, mate. Like, I was like a shell of a person for a bit. So I was like, oh, my God. And the only, but I kind of reconciled it with myself. And then we kind of got through that wee period. But it was horrible. Sometimes yeah. they just need to, like, f- feel familiar with you. If they, yeah. Does he know who you... I know completely, aye, but it's just there's been an acceleration. Because my mum like forgot who I was, and then for a while she was a wee bit scared yeah. around me. Aye. Which it wasn't was, nice, but she's familiar fun. with me now, so it's... It was more just this, like, perception of me. Right. Right, fucking... Out for lunch and that. I remember being out for lunch, and I came off the phone. And I, I, obviously, I can't convey this through um, sound, but I can try and explain it. Kind of looked to me as if... <sighs> fucking piece of work. But I didn't really say that, and I said something like, what are you going to have? Are you having a soup or something like that? And I, mate, I could have, like, if I could have spontaneously combusted in that moment, I would have chosen to. And it was just like, he didn't know, he was hating me. That was just as simple as that. Like, he was just pure hating me. But he was probably, he was under stress, he was, wasn't he very well. Yeah, that kind of unrelated thing, and he would have just, maybe I was the closest one to him. And I threw the pure, like, fucking projectile tears in the car by myself I would laugh and I'd be like because I don't know what I thought was coming I was like what's coming what are we on the precipice of here but I I say through the projectile tears I'd be howling laughing because I'd be like well he did say that and that is quite funny like if 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 if, like life is written by a comedy writer and they've went here see for a pure twisted laugh (laughs) (laughs) coming will make it it was kind of like that type of thing um I thought there was something else. Oh, I know that's what I always say. I get a laugh. I'd be like, for your Christmas, I'm just going to break out in your house, get you a DVD of or eat my clothes I've already bought you, wrap it up and get it back again. <laughs> yeah, he would always be like, he's like, do you know He's like, I fucking love watching Netflix. And he's like, because I can just stick it on and I'm like, I forget I've seen it. And he's like, I'll get to the end and I'll go, I think I might have actually seen this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're a lucky bastard then. I was like, I wish I had a dementia, man, because I just spend ages looking on Netflix. I can never find it. And then you have a laugh and then you're like, oh, that's like an, that's an outlet. I feel like a yeah. pressure release valve on myself here. 100%. It's, um, it's, it's ups and downs, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Watching the same thing over and over. Aye. Well, do you, again, a period for me something that kind of would frustrate me at times but then I would end up being able to turn it into a laugh just getting told the same story so anyway I mean I love it I actually love hearing it and it's kind of like a song soon you start telling me about going berry picking when I was a wee boy <laughs> Perth and I'll be like he'll go see you as a wee boy and I'll be like wait a minute hold on eh right hold on okay let me think I'm getting there's a message coming through did you was it berry picking and he'll be like have I told you that before? And I'm like, no, mate, I guessed it. Ah, <laughs> you've told me. And then we'll again have a laugh. I mean, that's one that I kind of, I only pull that joke out now and again, like if I can gauge how he's going to take it. Because yeah. I don't want him to think I'm going, shut up, you've told me. Aye. But I'm like, well, me and you have got the same sense of humour. So if I find this funny, I think you'll probably mm-hmm. find it funny as well. And I'm like, he's like, you're brilliant at guessing these stories. <laughs> he Does always he say that to you? What? Does he say that to you? I like knowing. He's like, right. yeah, he's just kidding on. He's like, you're brilliant at guessing these stories, aren't you? I'm like, I've just... So it's me and you, we've just got this connection, I just always know what you're going to say. 
See, my mum never really went through that stage of like repeating herself. Was it just a, a sort of immediate? Was it like a loss of loss of speech and words? Mm. She started for a while, and then like now, she says one or two words. It's just noise. It's like almost like brain damage. My sister described it as because really? the plaques like slowly like covering her brain. Yeah. Did you ever see. consider cannabis oil or anything? Yeah. There's recent studies that have shown that uh, um, f- just to, to cover myself legally, I am not advocating the use of um, or purchase of any illegal or controlled substances. Thank you very much. There's my disclaimer. But apparently cannabis like, in its purest form will reduce yeah. the amyloid plaques. I've seen that on the... Like, I did a bit of research on it, but it's not legal, so... Hit and miss. And I don't know how it's, it could... Because she was in so much medication that if you did get something like that, I don't know how it would affect... If it would combine. A medication, if it could make her go a bit crazy, I don't... I don't know. Got and you can't really get advice. Yeah. Because it's illegal, so I just... But in the, I won't say the name of the can- clinic. There's a cancer um, place. I'm just going to be so vague so nobody can even jigsaw identify who have said to people, I'm not telling you to take this cannabis oil. But I'm also not telling you to not take it. And I thought, I love that. I love it. I love it. And if people like that, you know, in that position are saying that, there's something there. Maybe hopefully at some point down the line, it's something yeah. that they'll be able to, they'll be able to work with. Um, what does, I mean, what, what does this week look like? Let's let's come right up to today. What's the rest of your day and the rest of your week looking like? Uh, I, so I'll be going to see my mum. Um, I've got a few plans this week, it's busy, but I'm I'm going to see her. I always try and make sure I get one weekend with her because I yeah. work Monday to Friday, so I only see her at night time during the week and the weekend I get a whole day with her mm-hmm. so I can take her out. But I, I don't really get up to much anymore because my, my friends are all at the, same, at the age where they've all got babies or having babies mm-hmm. or getting married and everyone's busy. So my time's mainly at home on my own or up to see my mum or working. Which sounds a bit tragic, but no, that, no. that is my life just now because everyone is busy. And I don't expect people to like drop what they're doing to come babysit me because they've got their own lives. But it's come, just that kind of come the night out with me and my pals, mate. None of us have got kids. <laughs> well, a few of them have, but they've fallen by the wayside now. I go to the gym and I like to go. It, so you're always welcome to come out on Saturday night with us. I will actually, I will hold you to that. I'll make sure that you do. Um, well, good luck with you. good luck with everything, especially with the campaign and all that. If yeah. how that's gone and. I'm, I'm sure well, and I'm, uh, you're obviously well placed to be able to advise. It's more to try and get the word out about it, and mm. I, w- I just wish that more media sh- would pick it up. I know Me like too. celebrities are coming out now with dementia, and that kind of sparks a bit of it, but it doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. If even they can just do a show about, like people need to be educated on it. Really, I think. Yeah. Because if I went out in the street just now and asked random people walking by, what do you think dementia is? They would just. I'm assuming they'll say it's an old person in a care home that doesn't remember things. Yeah. Because that is the stereotypical view. That's just a small, it's small... Like a, um, yeah, it's a very, very part. small part. The, uh, yeah. Well, do you know, I think people listening, I would hope it would serve as some sort of either a partial roadmap or mm. preparation or even, God, doubt what to expect. And, you know, it might just be somebody that's listened to it and has, it has been incredibly cathartic for them because they're going, right, oh yeah, it's not just me, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I would definitely see those speak to people or, like, any of the charities that I've seen with Scotland. They've got, like, a 24-hour oh, helpline. And it's not just for the carer or the person that's got uh, dementia. It's maybe just to speak to someone. Mm. Somebody might just need to speak to somebody on the phone. Well, it's it's taken me an hour to get to the the other podcast cliche, but other links will be found in the episode <laughs> notes if you would like to have a little click and to have a look on there. It sounds like a great resource. Um, yeah, well, I hope we're progressing yep. in in some way. And thanks for thanks for coming, man. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate Can I get you a coffee before you go? I'll have a coffee. Sorted. The uh, the coffee that we'll be having is in the executive <laughs> lounge in the Glasgow Hilton Hotel, which comes as part of your gym membership, and it is absolutely brilliant, and it is worth it. Complimentary teas, coffees, drinks. It's a fancy hotel. It's nice, and it's um, it certainly does not break the bank. The gym's brilliant, so it is. Get gym. I, I tend to come in, go and do a run. I just I use my. Well, no, well, I'll come and do a run. 
or I'd maybe I'd do a, some sort of weight session, sauna, steam, chill at the pool, come up the stairs, do a bit of work, have a coffee, and then I'm off, right into my, my own parking space, which is included in it and everything. So you got a parking space? How good is that, man? How good is that? That's me, yeah. Uh, that's me and my membership for another minute. I'm joking, <laughs> mate, actually. <laughs> no, I was going to say I'm going to delete that. I'll keep it in. I'm only kidding, man. Anyway, thanks again, mate. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Blethered. If you enjoyed this one, feel free to share it. Cheers.